0: Everybody likes to talk about the upside and how great it is, and but eh, there's so much more time in the low and in the middle than it is at the peaks. And so my hope is that people don't get discouraged who are on the journey, or the people who are thinking about this journey, they actually understand what they're walking into. <music>
1: I'm Raphael. I'm Cecil. Welcome to Family Man Building a Brand, the podcast that explores what it means to be a father, husband, and a businessman. Join us as we talk to entrepreneurs that are winning at home and in business. Join us as we talk about their journeys, family life, and tips for success.
2: Welcome to another episode of Family Man Building a Brand. Today's episode is special. We have Jerome Myers, someone who has played the role of mentor and coach in my journey, has had an interesting journey himself from corporate world to burning the boats and becoming a successful multifamily real estate developer and coach. Jerome coined the phrase, your dream should be real. And today we're going to deep dive into the essence of that to get to know and understand him and his brand. Welcome, Jerome. It's a pleasure to have you on. And this one has been a long time coming, man.
0: Ralph, Man, we're in the building. Hey, guys, before we even dive into this thing, I need you to do a favor. They are new. We need that rating and that review. We need that like. We need that share. We need to get this conversation normalized. People in our community don't have this conversation, and if you don't tell anybody about it, then you're going to be depriving people of a great, great, great opportunity to grow and become better Men, leaders, servants to the community. So thank you for having me. But we'll do with that before we even jump into this thing, man. That's appreciated, appreciate
2: it, man. That's, that's major good words coming from you, Jerome. Appreciate it. So now, tell the people a little bit about yourself. I gave a little high-level intro, but tell the people who you are so they can get to know a little bit more
0: about you. Man, I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll say I'm a corporate America dropout. My largest job, man, we built the $20 million division. I had 175 people on my team. And I got the opportunity to lay people off every year as a result of it. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand how making six million dollars a year in profit led to people having to figure out a new way in order to earn their income year after year. And so I left corporate, moved into real estate, built a multi million dollar a multifamily uh real estate portfolio and then from there started focusing on helping people who were exiting in their business, exiting corporate America, exiting from production when they're chief everything officer, exiting to higher levels of leadership in the organization, and then exiting the company, and then exiting a the portfolio companies, figure out how they could become that new person they needed to be in order to move to that next level. And so that's what we spend about 20 hours, 30 hours a week on right now, in addition to continuing to manage our multifamily portfolio. Cool, man. That's what's up. I mean, well, before we dive, dive into all
2: that good stuff, I mean, one, I want to I want to spend some time later on dissecting everything you just said, but generally because of the name of the show, Family Man Building Brand, I like to always take it back. So we're literally telling the story from where it started, history, and we bring it back to present day. So tell me a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up. I mean, I'd like to know, and a lot of people out there, I'm sure are curious like to know that.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom. And that informed everything for me. And, it, you know, I'm so used to going on shows to talk real estate or talk business, and they don't want to have this conversation. This is boring for most people, but I think you guys are going to take it down a different path. And so, yeah, I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay, cool, cool. Now, I, I guess, do you have any favorite childhood memories uh, of when you were growing up? Yeah, I don't even know if it's a favorite one, but it's probably one of the most memorable ones. So on Thursdays, my man Lonnie would always come down the street. He was our trash. And so we were at third house on the right on, in the cul-de-sac. And he's hanging off the back of the trash truck, one arm, always. Never 2 never really trash truck, always one. And he jumps off. And he does the first two houses, and then he gets to my house. He sees me out in the front yard with my mom. I'm like, ooh, he's about to do it. So he walks over to the trash can, flips the lid off, it spins around like a quarter, falls flat. He does a little pirouette, dumps the trash in the trash can, and then spins the trash can back to the corner like a Frisbee. It never fell over. Never. It never fell over. Right? And so then he's getting ready to do the magical moment. He's going to pull the flower right? And I'm going crazy because all I want to do is see the trust, cr- trash get crushed, And so you fool the left, and I just go crazy. And so I look at my mom and I say, hey, mom, I want to be a trash man when I grow up. And she says, baby, don't you like your Nikes? Don't you like your joint-ass jeans? I was like, yeah, mommy, of course. She said, don't you like your guest t-shirt? I was like, yeah. And she said, well, you know, if you're a trash man, you might not be able to buy that for you and your family, depending on the lifestyle that you want to live. And I said, what do you mean? She was like, well, when you pick your profession, you need to pick one so gonna allow you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. And so for me, all of my innocence was being sucked out in that conversation because it's like, wait, so I can't just go do what I want to do? I can't just go be happy? And she was like, okay, well, maybe you can own a trash company. And I was like, yeah, but you know, daddy, sometimes he doesn't come home until us after dark that we can't play. And Lonnie can play all the time. Like, he's always there when his parents get out or his kids get out of school. And she's like, yeah, I understand that, baby, but I don't have to go to work as a result of what your dad does. Um, you get to do this. You get to do the other activities that you get to do as a result of him working where he works. And I'm like, okay. And so, you know, I just kind of let the dream go I can't be a garbage I can't be a trash mm-hmm. man, based on what my told me. Um, but I might be able to own a company, and so that for me was transformational because I realized like I couldn't go learn basket you weaving know, because that probably wasn't going to be able to sustain the type of lifestyle I wanted to live. I've been a car guy, car kid, and so if I want to have a car, you know, the city probably not going to do it. You know what I mean? Definitely.
1: It's funny that it's funny that you uh you mentioned that uh drone because very similar story on my end. Um, you know, I always tell always first of all, I always tell everyone um that if my child wanted to be a trash man or and I literally use that example, I will push him to be the greatest trash company in the United States. You know what I'm saying? Versus killing that dream of him wanting to do what he was quote unquote passionate about just taking it to another level and making sure that he can lifestyle accordingly with that. So I definitely connect with that. Um my mother told me that nursing was the way, and nursing would provide me the lifestyle things of that sort. But came to find out my true passion was entrepreneurship. So when I went that route, it was kind of, you know, a lot of static, a lot of tension there. How are you dumping nursing to go chase your dreams of maybe making a dollar? But, you know, that eventually fulfilled me and it served my passion. then. And 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 I, I kind of want to tap into you growing up in Fayetteville, man. One of the things, I mean, who really put Fayetteville on the map for me is your guy J. Cole. You know, and, and your guy J, J Cole and how like we we hear a lot about the Bill, four seal drive. We heard we hear a lot about um the grind, the hustle. Tell us a lot of, tell us a little bit about that, man. Where how did Fayetteville mold you into the, the the man that you are the entrepreneur that you are
0: yeah i mean it, it, the thing that i think is most valuable about being in a military town is the diversity that comes from that and so i went to a high school where people lived at the country club and people lived in trailer, park, right and that for me allows me to move into any room that's feel comfortable inter- engaging or interacting with whoever's in the space. That's allowed me to go around the globe and be able to create relationships with people who you probably would have no, you wouldn't be able to see a connection between me and them, right? Until you actually understood where I come from. And so I appreciate that on so many different levels. It's just the understanding that there is value in people at all levels. I, I know sometimes in this world, we only want to attribute value to how much somebody's worth or how much money they make. And I've learned that you can learn from every Definitely. Most definitely.
2: I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, and going into that, as we kind of progressed into like that life story, um, one of the reasons we, I mean, one of the things Ralph and I decided when we were going to put this show together, we said, Hey, we want to interview family, man. And, we kind of were defining what what a family is because i mean in today's world that definition is fluid but in the traditional family it's a mom dad and and kids and that's what constitutes a family for you and if you look at it look it up in the dictionary so now as you've been building your brand and and, and obviously like i was saying for for us to have guests on it's like okay if it's a man he has to be married if it's a woman um, um she has to be um married now you are married um What role does your wife play in you being able to build, allow you to build the
0: brand that you've built? Everything. Um, you know, what's funny is I feel like she saved my life. So I was in a space. And so this is my second like long term committed relationship. I was married for 12 years. And when I left that relationship, I basically blew up my entire life. So I left that relationship. I left corporate America. And I started completely over on the entrepreneurial journey. And what I learned in that was that if you have somebody that's willing to support what you're willing, what you want to chase, you don't end up in that space that Will Smith ended up in, in the pursuit of happiness, if anybody remembers that scene. And it's one of the most provocative scenes for me and maybe you guys can drop it in the video if you release this on, on YouTube. But like he's standing in the bathroom and he tells his wife, he, at, the, at the time he wanted to be a stockbroker. And she says, Well, why don't you just be a. And then she storms off because she's like, Oh, well, you know, there's no way that this is possible. And so I would never forget walking in the door and saying, Hey, honey, I am not going to get another job. Like I am going to figure this out. And she just shrugged her shoulders and said, I know you will. And from that point on, I knew that I had to figure out how it was gonna work. The next point where she made a significant impact in my life was um I early before we bought the apartments, we were doing some fixing and flipping. And while we were going through the fixing and flipping, we were doing direct mail to owners of apartments. And one day I had printed off letters, I bought envelopes, and I bought stamps. And she watched me writing the names, handwriting the names of the owner on the envelopes with the addresses because we found that was something that would get people to open the mail. And I never forget going upstairs, walking in the bedroom at like nine o'clock at night, and I see letters spread all over the bread and I see envelopes that I hadn't actually uh, dubbed yet in on in the boxes on the bed and she's sitting under the blanket with the pen and like another notepad and she's rivaling the addresses from the letter onto the envelope and stuffing the envelope and putting the staffs on them. I'm like, what are you doing? And she said, well, I don't know how to analyze a deal. I don't really know much about operating the building, but I do know how to write addresses and put stamps. In. And I was like, there ain't no way I fell in now. I can't fail. Like, somebody believed in me that much. How can I fail? How can I let them down? They believe. I felt like she believed in me more than I believed in myself because it, it's kind of crazy, right? I'm send. A old school letter, like I'm a snail mail letter to somebody, and they're going to call me and tell me that they want to sell me their apartment. Like it just sounds like the most insane thing. And here she is doing what she could do to help me be successful at the thing I said I wanted. Wow, that's I mean that's that's amazing.
2: It's it's crazy because I mean just real quick to add into what you just said, um, my last corporate job. I remember. Obviously getting fired from that job and 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 calling my wife to tell her, like, hey, um, and it was in the middle of the day, so it was like midday. When I called her and and eventually when I got home and later on, she told me she could hear the relief in my voice rather than obviously the disappointment. And since that day, I told her I was never going back to corporate America. And she's like, Whatever you need, let's get it done. So every so often now, when I have these moments where I say I'm gonna go find a job. She tells me that no, you're not. <laughs> we're going to figure this out, and whatever I need to do to support you, or whatever whatever goals you put, we're going to try to help you get there. Versus you talking that I'm going to quit because things get a little tough and that kind of stuff. So that's that's uh, pretty cool, man.
1: Well, well, so Jerome, you know, just just you know, kind of banking of, oh well, wanting to get a little bit more. Uh, Realistic operational context of, as to how your wife plays a role. Are uh, you operating at a high level, man? Um, uh, you, you know, you're dealing with multi-million dollars worth of real estate that definitely take, um, um, daily effort and things of that sort. And I'm an operations guy. So I always wonder, yeah, in the beginning, she was stuffing, she was stuffing mailers on the bed. Where are things at now as with you being there? And you being that family man that has built the brand and other things on the way, how is her role now in regards to the bigger operation and the wider, the 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 more bird's eye? I...
0: Yeah. So I, you got to keep a shooter with you, right? So she she's always watching, right? She's looking for whoever is a threat, and she makes sure that at no way because so I've got this. I've got this energy where I I just trust people to be who they're supposed to be and who they think they are, like who I think they are, who I want them to be. And she is full on about accepting people as they show up. And there is no halo, there is no delusion about somebody being something different than what their actions demonstrate to us. And so when I say, hey, Here's what happened. She runs down the list. She connects the dots, and she says, "This is, this is what you should take from that." And even if I'm like considering something new, like I won't start something new unless she spent some time with them because she can read the energy way better than I can. So, was, our, our gift is the starman for me. That's what's up, man. That's interesting. That's that's good. I mean, that's important for people
2: to always have. Somebody by their side, I mean, I think that's the role I wa- all our wives play by our side to kind of always ask those questions or be the the person of reason and caution, which is pretty good. but switching ga- gears a little bit, I mean, um as we go into like understanding the role your wife plays in your business, now as we go into the business side of things, I, I guess what I mean, I know a little little bit about you as you like you said, you burned the boats and that type of stuff and you lost everything you were starting as you went into business what part of your story or it, 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 can you say shaped you the most kind of from corporate to entrepreneurship but but just that journey of life what 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 was a significant moment for you that said hey i got to do this and i can't fail
0: oh boy so i mean there's there's like three things that popped in my head at once but what i would say is there comes a point, I, no, I, I know the exact example, March of 2020, um, it, on March, eight, March 18th of 2020, this, thing, this whole COVID thing became real, right? Like I had a multifamily conference that I was having in person in Greensboro where the governor went from 10 or from 100 people to 50 people to the week of the week of it was 10 and then it was no gatherings be- within that same week. And I already paid for the venue, I'd already figured things out and I that part wasn't what was important but that is kind of sequence of events what happened. What really happened was I'd already bought deals we were in the process of looking at more deals. I had three deals under contract in the spring of that year of 2020. And everybody that I partnered with on deal said, we're not going to buy anything when people have masks on. And I said, uh-oh. So for the first six months of 2020, I didn't have any income because all of my income was tied to doing deal. And the previous projects that we purchased were value and So We were putting money into them to make them more valuable. I was like, "Ah, I got to pivot again. Right. Because if I'm only, if I'm totally relying on other people being interested in this investment thesis that I have, and we don't know how long this thing is going to last, what am I going to do? And I literally, I I literally said, Hey, COVID is only going to last two weeks you know, by April, things will be back to normal. I would have been almost right if I said two years, almost. And so that, in that moment, I realized that I went to the bottom of the pool. And when I touched the bottom of the pool, it wasn't as scary as many of us think it will be. Like the worst thing people think about is, oh, what happens if I run out of money? So in that same month, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my mortgage next month if I don't figure out how to make something straight. And I was like, Ooh. Now, mind you, like I had my shooter with me, like she does well. She could have done whatever needed to be done, right? But me, I believe that it's my responsibility to make sure that we have a place to live, we have food to eat, we have cars to drive. Like those things are my responsibility. And so I wasn't about to say, Hey, like I you you believed in me and it ain't working out. And so I had to figure that piece out. But when you when you don't know how you're going to pay a mortgage or you don't know how you're going to buy school or you're gonna, not going to do you figure out if you're truly about this option. you truly find out if you got what it takes. And once you have that experience, nothing can impact you. This is, a, this is the lower it can get. The only other thing that's worse than that is losing the people you care most about. But when you experience that financial issue, like, that's when I knew. When I didn't go, oh, let me go get a job or let me... Uh, Bro, that was that was the realest, man. Um,
1: I, I've been through the... Cecil, Ce- Cecil and I have gone through uh, losing it all. Uh, we've gone through that together. Um, and we built back up. And and obviously, the pandemic had its effects on various industries, various sectors of business, all types of things. But to be honest, uh, Jerome, I love that feeling. I, I love that. I love that feeling. of. Don't get me wrong. It, it's bittersweet. I hate being in that position. But I know once I hit that bottom of the pool, I mean, it's all about that bounce spring right back up and getting to that next level. So I felt on. I actually got chills on that because... The way you broke it down so eloquent reminds me of myself, man, when I got that phone call that I wouldn't be getting that money back, that um, I got fired from my job and I do have a wife at home and my first child. You know, again, what am I going to do? I'm going to put these bootstraps on. I'm really going to take it there. So I-, I felt you on that, man. And yeah, you know, that definitely made a lot of sense.
2: I mean, so it's, it's interesting that, I mean, I think that's the thing about, about entrepreneurship, that. The journeys are similar. I mean, they're not the, the same for any two um, people. So as we go and transitioning, I mean, we talked a lot about your real estate business and, and, and stuff like that. Um, how did you get started? I mean, what prompted you to pick? I mean, because most people go into entrepreneurship, almost, it's, it's not this or that. What prompted you to choose real estate as, as the
0: choice of um, a business? Yeah. So me and my buddy, Duran, were sitting on the stoop sophomore year of college and I was paying three ninety five in rent. I had two roommates paying three ninety five downstairs in his unit the same thing was happening. And we were like, man, how much is this guy making? Then we multiplied it out. That was making seven hundred grand a year. We never saw him, we never talked to him. It's like I'd be happy to make seventy thousand dollars a year. Forget seven hundred thousand. And so we we were like, well how do we do this? And I told you I was the son of a soldier and stay at home mom. So they weren't coming to the cookout if they had a multi million dollar real estate. Right. Uh, so, how do I find the person that owns the thing if I never saw him or talked to them? Didn't have that answer either. And so, what I said was, well, I'm going to go into corporate. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to get a credit score. And then eventually, I'll come back and I'll own real estate one day. And so, when I said I- I'm not going to be and I'm, I'm not going to be in corporate anymore. I'm going to drop out. I was like, let me let me go dust this thing off and see if I can make this dream shake this time. Now, I wish I could tell you I just walked in and people were ready to give me money, but I'll never forget going to the bank with a fifty four page business plan and saying, Hey, don't you want to give me a million dollars? And I said, For what it I uh, well, I want to buy this building. It's like, yeah, okay. What experience do you have? I said, well, I'm a personal engineer. I got this. I got the MBA. I got these things. And they're like, yeah, but what about, like, what do you know about this thing you're talking about? Said, well, uh, said, do you have any, any experience? I said, yeah, well, I got a rental in my first house and so we were renting that. And they like, yeah, we want something of a similar size. And uh, I was like, uh, well, uh, so I reached in my pocket and I pulled it out. I pulled out a piece of lint and offered it to because I, I didn't have any. And so I went to the next one and the next one because I'm like, man, these people are crazy. Like they they just don't get it. Like do you not know who I am? And by the time I got to the tenth bank, I realized I knew I, I was an idiot. I I didn't know what I didn't know, and nobody was going to lend me money with what I was bringing to the table, and so. That was, you know, one of those sober moments because, uh, you know, everybody likes to talk about the upside and how great it is. And, but eh, there's so much more time in the low and in the middle than it is at the peaks. Well, my hope is that people don't get discouraged who are on the journey or the people who are thinking about this journey. They actually understand what they're walking into because, you know, I I don't want people to be blasted when they, when they make this transition. Man, that's, uh, I mean, that's, uh, for everybody out there listening,
2: you heard what Jerome said. It's a journey and it's a path. Like, he didn't just fall into, like, becoming an entrepreneur because I think social media glorifies um, that. Like, he explained the journey of, okay, I have to go to corporate America. And I always, I mean, I had an article I wrote, like, the 9 to 5 Entrepreneur. Like, you use that to transition into what you need to but even when he did all that it still was never a guarantee for him to just say hey i have all this experience and money or whatever now can you just let me in like you have to have like for like experience and and things of that nature and those things um um take time you talked about your friends initially when you said um duran um and stuff now i I guess what role has has have your friends and your network played in your real estate journey
0: Everything, right? I. It, it's really interesting to see folks who are second generation wealth builders, um, or wealth creators. I guess they're wealth builders more so than wealth creators. Uh, all of, me and my friends we're, were first generation wealth creators, right? Most of the time, we're the first people to go to college, um, or even have these ideas of building a meaningful business, something you know, greater than seven figures. And so, when I was getting ready to do the first deal. I was like, man, where's the money going to come from? Right. If you do a million dollar deal, you need $250,000. Most people don't have that outside of their 401k if they have it in their 401k, especially if you're a first generation wealth creator. And, you know, the majority of us we were in our 30s. And so I started asking a bunch of questions. And I, when I think about my deals, you know, the majority of people that are in my deals, and when I say majority, I'm talking about over 80% of the people in my deals are people that I either went to high school with or went to college, with, right? The other people I met might've met in corporate or something like that, but the vast majority of the people that are in deals with me, I'd known 15, 20 years. And that for me is super important because I think when you're starting your new thing, you you know that you're going to make mistakes because you haven't been doing. It. And there's two schools of thoughts on this. One, you go do that with people who you don't really know. Well, the issue is when you make those mistakes, those people are not very forgiving. They don't extend much grace and they do a lot to make sure that nobody else falls into that trap with you. The other side of that is you do it with people who you know, and they are betting on you because of what they know about you from the past. And that in and of itself, from my perspective, is the thing that gets you through the end because I don't care how smart you are. You can't figure it all out on your own. And if you're not smart enough to pay for somebody to go on that journey with you, like I wasn't, and you do it the most inefficient and ineffective way by kind of listening to podcasts and read books and um, pick up whatever you can at whatever meetup you go to, uh, that journey is hard. And that, that school of hard knocks, huh? I mean, you get bumped around. And so, between their grace and things that didn't go perfectly, they're willing to put their hard-earned dollars up. We've been able to build something that we think is pretty special. And with that said, I mean, they've been rewarded. Like, I'll never forget the deal we got to that last April. Like, I went, literally went to everybody's house to put the check in their hand where we doubled the money that they invested with us to do the deal like I I drove to their house and like I went to Duran's house because he's one of the people his wife was there his daughter was there like I went to James's house and put it in his hand his wife was there his daughter was there and like it's funny because when I gave it to James in particular he didn't even you got to have both of them on the show by the way he didn't even get it like James didn't get it I was like, here you go, bro. I appreciate you trusting me with the money over the past few years. And he called me and he's like, you doubled my money. And I didn't have to do anything outside of have a few phone calls with you a year. You doubled my money. And I was like, yeah, and we're going to do more. Right. And so, but this is the, like, that's the happy ending, but the journey along the way was not happy. We made all kinds of mistakes and, you know, it was not fun. It was a ton of work. And so, you know, the network is everything though. And if you don't have the network, buy your new friends, join mastermind, join coaching program, spend that money so that you can accelerate that process because we don't have a ton of time, even though a lot of us think we've got all the time. Now, so I, I mean, you said some key points there, man. And, um,
1: I know that practicing group economics is is one thing that I definitely advocate for, especially getting started. You know, um, and and you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Is group economics in the very beginning of your journey? Uh, would you consider that? Would you consider group economics more beneficial to you in the in the beginning of your journey versus now, or? Is it now time to explore the traditional finance and then talk to the banks and things of that sort? Will you always keep it kosher and keep it personalized with friends and family 15, 20 plus years and and keeping it within them? Or would you still advocate for going outside financing and going outside of the family and friends?
0: Yeah, I guess it's important for me to add this in. And so we did end up getting financing. we just needed additional partners in order to make sure that we met the requirements that the bank needed. Um, with that said, um, because I believe in leverage, like real estate without leverage to me is silly. Like you got an asset where people will lend 75 to 80% and you're not going to take that. It just, to me, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. And if your deal can't perform with debt on it, you probably don't have an actual deal. You just have a lead that you're buying for the sake of buying it. With, with that said, like I always want to do business with people I know because I need them to understand my morals. I need, I need to understand their value. And the times that I've done business with people that I don't know, I've been disappointed when I say I've been disappointed, I'll never forget sitting in a meeting where somebody said, hey, we don't want those people living there, And you can decide whatever that meant for them. For me, we had people who were giving us money every month. Those people are our customers. Right? It doesn't matter how they live. Like, none of that matters. What matters is those people are our customers. And... I don't ever want to spend time with somebody who feels like those people shouldn't be there, especially if they're giving us money. And so, yeah, the values, the morals, the principles, those time-tested relationships for me are valuable. Now, with that said, I think No New Friends is the stupidest song that was ever created. Right. Because at the end of the day, you become a new person. At least you should. You should become, be becoming a new person. And the people who are in your circles who are not on that journey of growth are going to be left behind unless you decide to stay where you are. Right? Everybody can't go if they don't grow. And so you're going to have to be able to move into new spaces with people who are on the same journey or further ahead of you on that journey. And I'll, man... <laughs> I, I'll never forget, man. We were out Dubai last November for the F1 race, and I was standing there, and like I'm looking at the yachts, and I'm looking at the cars that I've never seen before. Like th- th- there was a McCar- McLaren speech hotel in the parking lot, a Pagani. Like I, they had Rolls Royce Phantoms lined up like they were like car service. The g Wagons were like Jeep Wranglers in the U.S. I mean, it was just the most obscene display of wealth that I've ever experienced in my life. And literally, I'm standing there, I'm like, I'm so poor. Like, I, I left feeling like I, I thought I was doing well, but I have no concept of what's actually possible in this world. And that, for me, just shows me how relative it is. Like, you can feel like a big fish in a small pond if you want, but as soon as you jump into that new pond, you are really quickly where you actually are, and you get to decide. You get to decide if you level up and play with the big boys or you go back and pick on the kids in the, in the Little League. And my game is to play as big as we can play. Like, I, was, I coming out of high school... Like, I have people saying, oh, you can't play D1, blah, blah, you tore your ACL, you're done, football's over. And then I played D1 for four years. Like, I'm going to play at the highest level I can always play at. And I encourage everybody to do that because you've been played here for that. Like, there's somebody who's counting on you to do this thing. Somebody's counting on you to do that thing. And if you play a small game, they're not going to actually see what's possible. And, like, I think we owe that to them because somebody did it for you you don't aspire to what you aspire to because you just made it up you saw somebody doing it somebody exposed you to it and then we're playing their game and so if we don't play ours then are we actually moving the game forward and i just think it's a resounding note
2: yeah that's 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 some good knowledge and good gaming I mean to to like like what Ralph said with 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 group economics and and moving into starting off with your friends taking the ones you can take with you and not everybody's gonna come with you and and that's something I always preach and and I'm still obviously I mean that's why Ralph and I are business partners 13 years later regardless of the mistakes and we keep trying to level up and as we move up we take certain friends with us and the ones that are not interested we stay friends but we pretty much can't do business i mean we it, we, it doesn't hurt and, and stuff like that now and and that could create friction even in the friendship so as we talk about that type of friction in the multi-family real estate space i mean this is a space that most people do not understand because i think for most people they understand let me buy a house and or let me fix and flip i'm not going to say those things are easy to do but they're more accessible it's like buying a car it's easier to buy a car than it is to buy I mean, a house, a plane, exactly. But so it, well, relatively, it's easier to buy a house than it is to buy six units because it's almost like a secret society where somebody says, I want to buy anything more than two units. I mean, anything more than a single family bond. And you have a show, uh, a podcast, actually, Multifamily Missteps, where you talk to other people and even yourself to give insights on the on sexy side of investing. Now, I want you to touch on that. Or what's your take on that? Because I think the internet and most of these other podcasts make it romanticize it. But there's an unsexy side to it. And I think it's important for people to understand that, not because we're trying to scare them away, but to give them context, not just in real estate, but in their entrepreneurial journey and how they can overcome that unsexiness to get to where they need to get to.
0: Yeah, so for me and I try to be consistent across every plane or space that I move into, the HGTV thought that things work out perfectly every time is just a joke. And so we created multifamily missteps and brought people who are actually operating businesses on in order to have a conversation about how not easy this is. Because when, when you're a master of your craft, You make things look effortless. But when you actually dig down and dig in on how the person's getting it done, you're probably going to be asking questions like, how did they use that? How is that possible? With Sue, with what resources? And we want people to get a real understanding of what they're getting themselves into so that they can make an educated decision. Because I hate for people to get into something like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. I'd rather you do that before you spend tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether it's through due diligence that didn't work out the way you wanted it to, a deal that went bad, you, you name it, right? Like There's a ton of conversation about a portfolio of properties that I got foreclosed on. I think it was like $250 million multi-family properties that got foreclosed on. And, you know, they're talking about the operators and they're doing this and they're doing that. Man, okay. It happened, right? People make bad deals. Maybe there was some malice there, maybe there wasn't. I don't know any of the details on it, but what I do know is, if you operate a business, some stuff's going to come up. And a person who cannot admit And this is one of the things Spencer Hillegas taught me. If I talk to an operator and they haven't been punched in the face by the business that they're operating, I don't want anything to do with it because I don't know how they're going to respond when it happens. Because it's not a matter of if. If they play the game long enough, it's when. Right? You're going to get hit. And if you don't have the cojones to stand back up after you get hit, then... You know, everybody who invested in the deal is at rest. Wow, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's jam right there, man. That was that was
1: that was jam, man, for sure. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean,
2: that's that that is a, like Ralph said. That's a, a, a pretty good jam for most people looking to start their businesses, looking to st- start launch journey, looking to go into um, real estate. Um, bottom line, you have to make sure. Um, you're going to get, you're going to fall down. You got to pick yourself back up and you got to keep doing what you need to do. Now, with that said, I mean, I know I have been through like your journey. Like I said, as with you trying to learn what it takes to get into real estate and a relationship as a mentor and a coach. And, um, a little birdie told me that you were doing something very exciting because I've been through your courses and the A1 and all that stuff. And you're working on a new project. And um, and it's funny because Ralph and I were talking about that project as we were reviewing to try to get on the uh, on the show today, and we were like blown away. But how um, that the matrix you you, you designed, and I'll let you explain what all that stuff is. But to qualify people, which is essentially qualifying entrepreneurs to see if they fit the program, and, and which goes to everything you've been saying to make sure people are battle tested before they get into things. So tell us about this specific thing that you're working on? Cause I think people need to hear that. And if, if they are looking to dive into the deep end or even to just get into entrepreneurship and real estate, this might be something that they might be interested in.
0: Yeah, man. So Exodus is coming up May 18th, uh, 2023. It is a virtual event for high income earners who are looking to break the golden handcuff. I just watch so many people who continue to do things because they pay well and they have no interest in the work that they're doing. We believe that there's four things that lead to inspired work, and that's level three of our framework work. And so it's in income, interest, influence, and impact. What we found is there's, again, probably, I think there was a Gallup poll that said there's like 75% of people are not interested in the work that they're doing. Think about that. Only 15% of the people like what they're like, they're stimulated intellectually by the work that they're doing. If so, what service are we doing to the world by people continuing to do that? Now, with that said, they're like, well, I get income. I might have some influence. I might have some impact. And so maybe this means. And we're saying, hey, wait, there's probably something else you should be doing. And so we put together a half day workshop where we're going to help people figure out how to find, make their first $10,000. Before they put in their letter of resignation so that they can exit, right? And so exit means explore your target market, extract the messaging from them. And then, um, you want to transact and do, um, and then turn in your, your letter of resignation. And so when they exit, we want them to have had because when I walked out, man, it was a hard landing. I walked out to no money. I had no clients. I had no real estate. I had, it was just me walking out the door saying, I want to make it. I want to buy an apartment. Let me figure out how to do that. Like literally. And it was binging on podcasts. And I was like, this is the stupidest thing I could have done. Like, but, you know, Bumblebee doesn't know that they can't fly, but there's a better way. And so we, we're going to take people through our, our four step process. We're going to give them the 15-point checklist that does the exit readiness assessment. Because think about it, right? If you get ready to walk out and you've got a significant other and you don't give them an opportunity to to voice the thing that they're struggling with or the issues that they have with you walking out and you walk out, what do you think is going to happen, right? So how do we have those conversations? How do you come up with a mitigation plan for the issues that come up? Uh, You know, my mom's first question when I told her I wasn't going back to get a job was, well, how are you going to get insurance? Right? Like there's so many other things that we got to worry about as entrepreneurs, but that's always one of the first questions is how can you get insurance? So yeah, Exodus is the game. We're going to give people that framework so that they can come up with a plan to make their first 10 K and we're going to teach them our process so that they can exit what we can call the matrix, man. Okay, cool. So where can people find this information? I mean, we'll drop a link in the bio, but where, where can people find that? Yeah. So it is at I took the red pill dot co for slash Exodus. And you get all the information on the event, get locked in. Um, we're doing it for 47 bucks just to get people in the door, um, and make sure that they show up because the type of content we're going to bring in. I mean, we got two people coming in who make more money in their entrepreneurial journey right now than they did when they had job. They're going to come in and talk about how they did that in less than a year. People, this
2: is great value for 47 bucks. I mean, you're talking to people who have a battle tested and have proven to be successful in this space. So I, I, I mean... It's a no brainer. If you're looking to, I mean, this is one of the things Ralph and I talk about that we want to also help people is because when you go through the entrepreneurial journey, when you just jump in with ideologies, with naivety and all these things, and you you get to realize it's difficult. So when people have done it and they can shorten the the, the time period and they can, I mean, not just shorten the time period, but minimize your mistakes, it's going to get you there a whole lot faster and less bumpy road i'm not saying you're not going to get your bumpy roads everybody's going to get hit in the face but if you can have help like what jerome is looking to do with exodus i mean take it, it it's going to help a whole lot man
0: and i mean worst case scenario worst case scenario for the people who are on the fence on whether or not they want to do this uh, what else can you give for 50 dollars? this will move you closer to actually enjoying how you spend at least 40 hours of your week no, definitely, man. Um, uh, mitigating risk, especially in
1: the beginning as a new entrepreneur. Oh, man. Now you're talking about mitigation of risk plus a framework that has been proven. Like you said, that is a no brainer. I think the framework is um, probably the best alley value add um, because this is coming from someone that has done it and broke it down to a science for me to implement. And that's a lot of the work already done for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about how do you have a conversation with your significant other about making this stuff as part of the framework? Yo, kudos, man. So, yeah, definitely get to Exodus. I love the name, man. Uh, Mass Exodus is what, uh, you know, we, Mass Exodus is what we definitely push it for. And um, kudos to you, man. Kudos to you on the team for um, breaking it down to a framework um, um, and an and implementable strategy, man. That's, that's key right there. Definitely, man. Definitely.
2: So Jerome, man, it's been a pleasure. I have, I have a few more things before I let you go, but before I let you go, where can listeners find you? Because a lot of the stuff you've given is super, super valuable. So please tell the listeners where they can
0: find you online. Yeah, man. The best place to go is at the red pill.co. They can find out everything there. Okay, cool. Awesome. So people go check out,
2: I took the red Co. And you can find out all the information. And just out of curiosity, before I even my questions, where this I took the red pill thing come from?
1: Right. Yes, I was just about to ask. Bro.
2: Yeah. Man. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: my bad, Ralph. I mean, I was just curious. I'm like, yo, I mean, I know I've heard it somewhere, but I, I... tell it, please, tell it, tell it.
0: Yeah, man. So the nineteen ninety-nine documentary, The Matrix, is where I first got exposed to the red pill and what it means for me is that you live your truth, right? I think so many folks are put a mask on pretending to be things that they are and they're pretending to walk in a way that is just completely inauthentic. And I think when you're pursuing your best self, you can show up in any room as a person that you are working your hardest to be and be accepted, be respected, And then in the end, leave the lives of the people that you interact with matter, and know that it's been bastardized by people who want to make it about a bunch of things that it was never intended to be by the writers. And so it's funny because we're working hard to get to the creators of the, the concept to get them to speak on what is actually happening out here because... I just think something that is such a pure concept that is being twisted for things that are, are less than, um, honorable. Cool. Cool. Cool, man. Cool. So yeah, I mean,
2: Hey, this it, it's, thanks for the context because I mean it, it's people might be thinking like, where is this coming from? I've heard it before. So, but before we go, we had three questions that we like to ask. I give Ralph the honors of actually asking those three questions and hopefully this is more, this is our value add for the show, man. So, Hopefully um, the audience takes good
1: information away from that. Right, man. So first, Jerome, is what digital resource, uh, what digital resource do you recommend any new entrepreneur, any entrepreneur that's already in the mix, anyone that's into one word journey in entrepreneurship? What are, is that the tail end of them building this thing? What digital resource would you recommend to them that you utilize on the daily?
0: Yeah, man, I, it may sound bad, but I'm going to recommend our book, Your Dreams Should Be Real, because I really feel like we break it down in a way where people can create a repeatable process to take whatever dream they have and turn it into reality. Okay.
1: Um, what type of advice would you give to a young, new
0: entrepreneur slash fog? So there's two things, and it's funny because I sound like a broken record. The first one is your dream should be real, right? Period. They need to understand that. The second piece of that is you can't look at your kid and tell them, hey, you can be anything or you can have anything and you're not actually living that out because they're going to repeat what you do, not what you say. And so you have to be a living example of somebody who is living at their highest level if that's what you want for the little person that is looking to you to be their role model and strictly
1: from an entrepreneur perspective let's say that someone they're they're a mother father um um but they aren't ha- in a family setting what advice would you give them I- i'm sorry let's say you are dealing with a male female that's straight entrepreneur no family this straight just building a brand what advice would you give them the minute you met them
0: to help them on your journey It's funny. That that right there is a really interesting question because in the circles that I'm spending the most time in now, our conversation isn't about how much money you make. It's about the ability to create freedom, right? And so I went from measuring how well I'm doing, how prosperous I am from how much dollars I'm making a year or two, how many days that I don't do activities, in order to earn income. I believe that prosperity is locked into three things. Time, talent, and treasure. And so many people give up the use of time. Or the to time in order to create the treasure. And having treasure and no time does not make you prosper.
1: Yeah. That was a bar right there. <laughs> exactly. Right?
2: That was a gem right there. So people, man, you heard it. At the end of the day, I think um, in the whole family, man, building, brand, ideology, ultimately, yes, we all want to be successful, but we all, want, we all want freedom. That's ultimately what we're all searching for. And if you can find freedom or independence in whatever you do in your career or your path, trust me, it's going to be way more worth it than any money anybody can give you. Now, fi- your financial freedom is going to help you get there, but ultimately, fr- peer freedom is what we're looking for. So, Jerome... Thank you very, very much. I mean, this has been more than helpful to us. And and hopefully the audience gets um, to understand and benefit from all the information that you've given. Um, We want Ralph and I want to take this opportunity to thank you very, very much for doing this. And we really appreciate everything, man.
0: Thanks a lot, brother. This is awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: That's it for today's episode of Family Man Building the Brand. We hope we left you with a ton of value from this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. This helps our show gain traction with other listeners just like you. You can join our community by subscribing and following Family Man Building the Brand on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, we're family and together we build.